This anointed teaching by Apostle Theo Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Good morning, family, on this wonderful Sunday morning, April the 16th, 2023. Today's message is about the struggle in the life of Jonah. God told Jonah to go and preach to the city of Nineveh. Because the Ninevites, the Assyrians, were the enemy of the Jews, Jonah did not want to go and preach to them. They were wicked and did terrible things in the sight of God. They were evil and they were violent. Jonah knew that if he went to preach to them, they would repent and God would forgive them and spare them. Jonah did not want them to repent. He did not want them to be forgiven. (laughs) Jonah wanted God to destroy them. So when God told Jonah to go to Nineveh, he got into a boat that was going in the opposite direction. A great storm suddenly came. The sailors called upon their gods for help. Eventually, they realized that Jonah was the problem. He told them. He said, if you'll throw me overboard, the storm will stop. And so they threw him overboard, and the storm stopped. God arranged for a giant fish to swallow Jonah. Inside the belly of the fish, in the darkness, standing among half-digested creatures, which the whale had eaten, with all the acid and the terrible smell in the darkness, Jonah came to his senses and he repented. I guess so. Jonah agreed to go and preach in Nineveh. I guess so. (laughs) He asked God to rescue him from the fish. He believed God had heard his prayer. He thanked God for hearing his prayer, and he began to praise God, the Bible says, from the moment he prayed. He kept praising God that he was free, was free. All right? He called those things that be not as though they were. And he did not know what direction that fish was going. It could have been going the wrong way, but you know what? It swam straight to Nineveh and spat him out on the shore. Three days later, the fish spat him out on the shores of Nineveh. Jonah praised God the entire journey without knowing which direction that fish was going. Nineveh experienced one of the greatest revivals in human history. The entire city repented and turned to God with all their hearts. What an exciting revival happened in Nineveh. Now, I'd like to share a few simple little stories with you here this morning. Um, I'm going to talk about my salvation maybe next week. But this week, I'd like to talk about after I was saved. 
Before I was saved, I had this minibus, which you're going to see on the screen right now. It was a VW bus with flowers all over it because I was born in 1948, and in the 60s, I was um, running nightclubs, surfing, and living on the beach. So I uh, grew up in the hippie days, <laughs> flower power. So I had these big flowers stuck all over that red bus, VW bus. The bus was red because I painted red at the spray can. And then I painted on the back Theo's Disco, and I put these big flowers, different sizes, flowers, purple, red, well, red, because they had red, Columbia's red, but all different colors, on the, this uh, VW bus. And um, I would uh, put one of my mobile discos in there, and I'd drive around, instead of having a sound system in the car, I used a disco, giant loudspeakers in the back, which actually shook the car so, so much because it's so big and powerful and loud. But anyway, I'd park at the beach, put those big giant speakers on the roof, and everybody would come around and we'd listen to Grand Funk Railroad, Led Zeppelin, uh, the Rolling Stones, all these records, Credence Clearwater Revival, and uh, a great crowd of people gather, and this is what we used to do. Uh, when there was no surf, we stayed at the beach to just do that. So um, when I got saved now, when I saw that bus pull up, they came. And uh, so I played the rock and roll music, and then suddenly I changed it. And in those days, all we really had was Jimmy Swaggart. So I put on Jimmy Swaggart at the old rugged cross. At the old rugged cross. <laughs> and, then, and then I would go stand there and I'd talk to him about Jesus. And they thought I'd lost my mind. But you know, I won so many surfers to Jesus. I'll talk to you about that later on. But anyhow, that was one of the things I did to win songs. And then I... Um, Invited all the friends I'd wanted Jesus, surfers, sports people, famous people, and um, karate people. And I took their photographs, about 50 of us, and they got saved radically on fire with me. And I would hire town city halls, like Durban City Hall, Jasburg City Hall, Cape Town City Hall, and all the other little towns as well. And we'd go down there, put these posters all over the city, and then have a special meeting on one particular night, pack out the city hall with young people. And I'd have these folks testify, share their testimony of how they found Jesus and what he means to them. And uh, then I was the last one to give my testimony and then I would do the altar call, and usually everybody in the building came to Jesus Christ and gave their life to the Lord as Savior. The whole crowd, praise God. That was just one of the things that I did, besides the beach one. I formed that group called the Jesus Revival Group. We traveled all over South Africa.
Now, let me tell you how I won my friend Graham Patterson to Jesus. So he was renting an apartment with my brother Henry at the time, and I just got saved. And uh, I was about, oh, about three weeks, four weeks as a Christian here. And uh, so I, I spoke to Graham. I said, now, Graham, because um, my brother wanted nothing to do with this, nothing, nothing, adamant. Yeah, my brother, my brother was going to Natal University, and he was very clever, very clever. And he had this arrogant, arrogant attitude. So did I, but I was saved, I changed. So anyhow, and um, so he told me, he warned me, I want nothing to do with this. I'll tell you what happened, why he said that later on. But anyway, so I said to Graham, I said, now Graham, okay, do you think I've lost my mind? He said, yep, you've lost your mind. Because now I'd stopped running discos, I'd stopped all that stuff. And my whole life was different, okay? So I'll tell you all the details about that later. But anyway, so he says, yeah, you've lost your mind. So I said, Graham, I'll tell you what. Why don't you come with me to church? And if you sit there and see the service and you think afterwards I've lost my mind, I will leave and not go back. But if... It's all for real, and you think it's real, and you change like I do. Are you willing to do that? It's okay, fine, I'll come rescue you. So he came. Now, to rescue me, right, he gets radically saved. He goes back to his apartment. My brother comes to see me. He's freaking out. He's so crazy mad as a snake. I never want to see you again in my life. All right, praise the Lord. So anyway, Graham now is living in his apartment and he's coming to church with the Bible now, all that kind of stuff. So another three weeks go by and now I'm getting baptized. So I arranged with Pastor George Dillman that I'm going to baptize all my friends who got saved that were coming to church there. Many of them, many of them coming to church already after six weeks. And so we got baptized that night right across the church, two rows of people standing shoulder to shoulder in front of him while he's preaching about baptism. And we all went into the water. But so I said to Henry, I went and knocked on his door. Um, and, he, and I said, I was on the way to church. I said, Henry, I'm on my way to church. I'm going to get baptized. I really would like you to come with me and see this. It's a very special occasion. It only happens once in my life. So he said, what's that? So I said, well, at the back of the church, there's a swimming pool. It's in the church building. There's this swimming pool. And they're going to put me in there with my clothes on. He said, what? Are you kidding me? I said, no, I'm not. This is real. He said, okay, I've got to come see this. Hang on. So he came with me to church. He and Jackie, his girlfriend, came to church. So they sat upstairs on the balcony at the back row, okay, the two of them. So now that night, Pastor George Dillon preaches a message, then he prays for the sick, 
and he prays for people to be full of the Holy Spirit. And he's standing on the platform. And the people line up in front of him and he prays them one at a time. And they're falling out on the power and some are speaking in tongues. And uh, all of a sudden, I'm sitting quite close to the front. I see my brother in this line. And I thought, what's gotten into him? What's he doing in this line? He's not even a Christian, not even saved. I didn't know that. He said to Jackie, I'm going down there. I'm going to stand there. He's going to pray for me and nothing's going to happen. You will see this is a con job. This is a big show. These people falling out like they're rolling on the floor. That's a big show. I'm going down there. He's going to pray for me. So he gets up and he comes down. Now this is, he's, he's the guy with all the brains, right? So he gets his line. Pastor George prays for him. He hits the floor like you hit him with a baseball bat. Then he starts rolling around on the floor, speaking in tongues. And he's screaming out at the top of his voice in other tongues. That's my brother Henry. Just radically saved. That night, after that, we have the baptismal service. Two rows across the church of all the people I led the Lord in six weeks. Shoulder to shoulder, took two rows across the church. All right. So Henry joins the line. He gets baptized that very night. And today, he's in the ministry with his wife, Jackie. Isn't that a great story? I think I'm going to share some more stories with you later on. All right, now, let's talk about Jesus and how he used tact in his witnessing. How he used tact in his witnessing. Tact is saying the right thing at the right time in the right way. That's what tact is. Isaac Newton defined tact as the ability to make a point without making an enemy, end of quote. Make a point without making an enemy. Let me remind you of how Jesus spoke to the woman at the well, which we learned about in our previous lesson. Jesus could have said to the woman at the well, hey, woman, you are immoral. I am the Messiah. And I'm here to tell you that you are going to hell because you are a sinner. Okay, all that would have been true, but would have destroyed his opportunity of reaching her with salvation. So how did Jesus do it? Firstly, he engaged her in conversation. Excuse me. He spoke to her in terms of language she understood. He said, may I have a drink of water? So he spoke to her in a way that she understood. May I have a drink of water? Now some Christians confuse people that they are witnessing to, the unsaved, by using their Christianese when they witness. What is Christianese? Christianese is our own strange language that only we Christians understand. For example, if we as Christians talk to an unbeliever, 
with Christianese, it would sound something like this. Imagine walking up to somebody who doesn't know the Lord, is not saved, doesn't know anything about church, and you walk up to him and you say, are you washed in the blood? He is going to look at you like a cow at a new gate, or like what planet did you come from? Are you washed in the blood? He's going to think, let me get out of here as quick as I can. Or if you say to him, are you justified and sanctified? He's going to look at you and think, where's the exit door? <laughs> or if you look at him, the unsafe person, you say, are you part of the body? <laughs> so they won't have a clue what you're talking about. We must speak to them in a language that they understand because unchurched people don't speak our Christianese language. Always look into your heart when you come to witness because the Holy Spirit is waiting to guide you and he will every time. We must be aware of lost people around us so that we can recognize the opportunity to share the gospel when the opportunity arrives. And then we can take action. What about the action of aftercare? When you went to Jesus or bring them to church, what about aftercare? We are called to make disciples, not converts, correct? Exactly. So go and make disciples which means we are commanded to bring our new disciples to church. That's what that means. Hebrews 10.25, the New Living Translation says, And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day of Christ coming back again is drawing near. Now, we know that the Lord's coming soon. We are living in the end times, for sure. If Paul wrote that, thinking he's coming soon, then how soon is, he, is his coming today? So he said, warn each other, especially now. Go to church. That's what he said. Warn them, not miss, because the rapture's coming. You don't want to miss the rapture. So if we don't gather together, at least weekly, if you and I don't go to church every week, at least every week, once a week. Can we claim to be followers of Jesus? How can I say I'm a follower of Jesus if I don't go to church once a week? And when we gather, we need to invite others to gather with us. The people that we bring to Jesus or they get saved, we bring them to Jesus, they get saved, we need to go pick them up and bring them back to church until they're strong and they can disciple someone else. All right, well, I encourage you to reach out to the lost. Don't neglect them. God wants us to be a witness. We love you. Every head bowed, please. Every eye closed. How many would say, Apostle Thea, I want to be sure I'm going to heaven one day. I don't know where I'm going. I hope to go to heaven. Can you help me? Yes, I can. You do not have to go into the fires of hell. You can live eternity in heaven. If that's what you want, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, 
I'm going to pray a simple little prayer here today, and you will experience the living Christ in your heart, and you will know that you are forgiven for your sins, and you will have the assurance that you are going to heaven one day. So that's you. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, please raise your hand when I count to three, and if you'll do that, God will speak to you in your heart today and give you the assurance of your salvation when I pray this little prayer. So I'm going to count. You raise your hand. I'll pray for you. And then God will come right into your heart while I pray. Okay? Right there in your seat. Are you ready? I'm not going to embarrass anybody. Simply raise your hand when I count to three. Are you ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Praise God. Keep those hands raised. Now somebody's coming to put their hand on your shoulder to let you know we love you and Jesus loves you while I pray. Go ahead. Pray for them right now. Say this, everybody. Everybody, say this prayer with me, especially those who have their hands raised. Dear God, thank you for sending Jesus to die on that cross in my place. You punished him for my sins so I can be forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. I declare you are the Lord of my life. And from this day, I will live for you with all my heart as Lord. Thank you for accepting me. I am God's child. Praise God I am forgiven. Praise God I am bound for heaven. Praise God. Give me a great big hand clap if that was... If that's what you did, we're so proud of you. And now the person that prayed with you is going to take you by the hand to the prayer room where you'll meet a pastor from this church who will minister to you in that wonderful atmosphere of prayer. And you'll learn something very important that you need to know about your decision to serve Jesus. Very important for you. Go all the way. Don't stop now. Finish this. Go all the way with Jesus. Don't be shy. He died on the cross for you. Naked. You can do this. All right? Once you count, when I count to three, stand up and go with them. We're going to give you another big praise God hand clap as you go. One, two, three. Give a big hand clap, everybody. Praise God. We're so proud of you. Gone out there. Now, thank God, thank God, thank God for those precious people. You'll only be there for a moment. Go, please. Thank you. Now, next weekend, I have a very special message for you. Don't miss it. Pastor Viv and I are praying for you. We love you with all our hearts. We'll see you next weekend. God bless you. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.